So great to see you today, and we want to say once again, we want to welcome all those who are joining us for the first time today. We're so glad you're here today, and all of our friends, uh, we don't say it enough every week, but we so appreciate all of our friends who join us week after week online. We have a great family of friends who join us every week online. They say hello in the comments uh, of all of our platforms, whether you see it or not. And I know that their hearts are knitted with us, even though they're far away. And so we're so glad you're joining us as well this morning. The story is told of a man, of a farmer. And uh, this farmer, he lived in Illinois. And this farmer had uh, a, a soldier came to him and asked him about his, some help with a, a charity that he was doing and a mission that he was doing. And as he came to talk with him, this uh, farmer took him up on the roof of his house and began to show him the land that he had. And he took him over on top of the roof. There was a place to get up there and look. And he looked, took him up there and he said, you see all of the, that, that rolling hills over there as far as you can see? He said, all that's mine. He said, as you, you see all those cattle over there, the horses that are over there, the sheep that are feeding over there, they're all mine. I've made it all myself. And then he pointed towards the town over there that you could see off in the distance. And he showed him the streets and he showed him the buildings that were there. And he showed him a great uh, hall that was even built there that was constructed and named after himself in his honor because of how he helped make that happen there. And he said, all of that there, they're all mine, he said. He said, I came to this town a poor man. Uh, but my own industry has done it all. So the gentleman that was with him there, he said nothing. But when he had seen all that he had showed him and pointed at with his finger and showed him all the things that he had, looking all across the land, the cattle, the horses, the sheep, the town, the streets, all of the things that had been built as far as the eye could see, he looked at him and he pointed to the sky and he said, but what do you have up there? And the man was kind of struck for a moment. He was a rich man. He thought, well, I don't have anything up there. And he said, oh, or I'm sorry, he said, well, where? He said, and the guy said, in heaven. And he said, I've got nothing there. And so this man was 70 years old. And how ironic that though he was so rich by the world's standards, he had not a single treasure in heaven. And the guy responded to him and he says, is it not strange that a man of your judgment and forethought making such a wreck of life, living for the moment on borrowed time to die a beggar and enter eternity a pauper. And a few months after that, he died as he had lived. And guess what happened to all the things that he showed to the man? That property was divided up and went to a lot of other people. It shows us that it's a hard story to hear, but it's, it's real. It's real. It's a real story. But there's lots of living that happens in this world that is living for the world, but not living for the place that you and I will call our home forever. And this morning, I want to talk to you today about the good, the bad, and Jesus. The good, the bad, and Jesus. And I want to tell you the story with that story in mind, the story in Mark chapter 10 about another rich man. And this rich man, I want you to see here today, it's very important that you see this today. 
He's a good man. He's a good person. And I, there's this thought in Christianity today about good people. Uh, there's this thought that if I live a good life, then somehow that's enough. And this man, he was that. He was a good person. He lived a good life. And as you're going to see here today, there were some moments where Jesus tried to help point him back in the right direction. The Bible says in Mark chapter 10, verse 17, that as he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, I want you to note here today as we talk about this, this whole, this discussion that happens is about 20 verses or so long. Even after the rich man leaves the scene and the disciples are on the scene, they still keep coming back to this question about eternal life. And there was this thought of like, how do I get eternal life? You keep talking about it, but how do I get it? How do I inherit it? How do I come about it? And he uses a word here that really is a word of irony that he uses because it's a word that is his own self that he almost uses to describe him own, his own self as if it's a measure for him to inherit eternal life. And that's the word right there. Good, good, good teacher. He thought that Jesus was a good teacher. So his, his, his mindset was in the mindset of, well, if you're a good teacher, then you, must be, you might be able to help teach me how to get where I need to get in life. It wasn't so much about him personally and how he needed to be transformed. You see, that's the thing about, the, uh, especially a rich man in this time, was a rich man was a a smart man, is probably a careful man, was probably a wise man. He probably knew how to manage his money and the right people to talk to and the right investors and bankers and tax collectors. There was all these things that was possibly lined up that could have helped him. And so this was his once again coming in almost a business format. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. And so Jesus tells him this here in verse 19. You know the commandments. And I want you to point out here that Jesus identified with the man that he knew the commandments. He says, you know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Most of us have been taught those in our lifetime. And, and really, most of the people in the world who are not even believers have a sense of a kind of what the commandments are based on entertainment that has been done on the Ten Commandments, etc., etc. There is kind of a general sense of what the commandments are. And so Jesus, or the, the young man responded to Jesus and he said, uh, watch, notice his, this, he dropped off good and now he just says, teacher. He says, teacher... I have kept all of these since my youth. I have kept all of these since my youth. And this is where things get a little troublesome for this man. Jesus, I want you to watch how Jesus approaches him next. Because he tells him, I've kept all the commandments, just like you just named them all. I've kept them all. I've done that. I should be able to inherit eternal life. But Jesus looking at him, watch what the Bible says. Jesus looking at him, loved him. Loved him. This is a hard conversation to have with this rich man that he's about to talk to. 
This is going to be a hard conversation for this rich man. And Jesus, in his supreme knowledge and wisdom and omniscience, wanted this man to know, in all that is about to happen next, I want you to never have a question about the fact that I love you. I love you. Because there's a lot of people that will get caught up on a commandment and they'll get stuck on the little keeping the law to the tiniest commandment and they'll miss the point that Jesus loves them. But before you can ever come to really know Jesus, you have to understand that he loves you. And so he says to him, you lack one thing. You lack one thing. If Jesus says you lack one thing, you and I better listen up and say, what in the world is he lacking? Because I don't want to be that person that has that conversation again. You lack one thing. And he told him, go sell what you own and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure. Watch what he says in heaven. Then come follow me. And when he heard this, he was shocked and he went away grieving. Why did he go away grieving? For he had many possessions. Now, there are some people who will interpret this passage as say well, that it's a command to all of us to go and sell all that we have and, and we live among the poor and that's, that's the life that we're supposed to live. And that's not necessarily what Jesus wasn't saying, but it's not necessarily what Jesus was saying either. We are supposed to help the least of these. That's a command that Jesus later affirms in Matthew 25. But that's not the issue that's at hand that he's dealing with here with this young man. The issue here is right here at this last part of the sentence. For he had many possessions. There here in this passage is a good man. A good man. He's kept all the commandments. He's got money. He's probably, if he's kept all the commandments, he's got money. He's probably done good for some other people in the world. But the issue here is that his goodness is not enough to save him. His goodness is not enough to help him inherit eternal life. Just by being a good person is not going to grant him the place that Jesus has promised for you and I. And there seems to be this prevalent thought today in the world that if I live a good life, then God will honor that. And that's not to say that you and I, that once we come to know Jesus and live for Jesus, living a good life should follow. Yes, it should. But that's not going to get us salvation. That's not going to get us eternity. That's not going to grant us forgiveness. Forgiveness is not automatic based upon our goodness. Because the Bible clearly says, and even Jesus clearly said here, no one is good. So the moment that any of us says, well, I'm a good person. Listen, listen. No, we're not. No, we're not. No one is good. No one. And you know what this does for all of us here today? It puts us on a level plane here today. That there's no, it doesn't matter what title you wear or what position you've been in or how long you've been a Christian or how many sermons you've preached. The Bible says no one is good. Not one person. No one is good. And the only one who is good, Jesus said, is God alone. Is God alone. And Jesus says the way to the Father is through me. The way to God is through me because I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about the good, the bad, and Jesus and the struggle that this man was going with, which really I wanted to bring this up today because it's a struggle that is often people are dealing with today. 
that if I'm living a good life, then somehow that earns me a, a special acknowledgement or credit or something. I don't know what, what the thinking is there, how the enemy can twist things in our minds. But I want to show you today that Jesus genuinely loved this man. And wanted him to find not just a good life, not just a life that had possession and all the things that he thought were good. He wanted him to know Jesus, know Jesus. How many of you know today that knowing Jesus, there is nothing like it? Peter later said later on in his life as he was going on and doing his ministry, as people were coming to him and he said, silver and gold, I don't have that. But Jesus, I have. Jesus, I have. And here is the thing I want to show you today about this young man. The Bible says in verse 19, Jesus looked at him and he said, you know the commandments. You know the commandments. There are a lot of people today and a lot of us maybe even here today that we think that because we know that that is sufficient. But this morning, I want to talk to you about the difference here that this young man, that he, his dilemma was facing with, was knowing and surrendering. Knowing and surrendering. There's a lot of people in the world today that know about Jesus. They know that Jesus came and gave his life on a cross. They know all of those wonderful things. They know the commandments. They know it. Maybe they grew up in church. Their parents taught them that. They know it with their mind, but they haven't surrendered in their heart. And this was the problem with this young man. James 2.19 tells us that even the demons believe and tremble, the Bible says. That even the demons, when they see Jesus, they believe. They know he's real. The demons are living in that world. And they know Jesus is real. And they tremble at his name. And they believe in him. They know. They acknowledge his existence. But the thing that you're never going to see a demon do is surrendering at the feet of Jesus and giving their life. And this was the issue with this rich man. The question about his discussion about how to inherit eternal life came down to who is going to be Lord of my life? Are my possessions going to be the Lord of my life or are, is Jesus going to be the Lord of my life? And what you're going to discover in this story is, is that it really wasn't even about possessions. It was for this rich man. But the teaching that Jesus does here, it could follow anything. Anything that has become Lord over your life or my life, Jesus is bringing it up to the point of saying, it's not enough to just know the commandments. This was the issue here. He knew all about it, but he wasn't willing to surrender his life. I have a friend who has been in jail for about a year now. And about four months or so after being in jail, he said to me, he said, Charlie, he said, it's a good thing I'm here. He says, otherwise, I would have never come to know and give my life to Jesus. All the, the conversations I had before with him going into jail that said, yeah, I, I read the Bible. I know, I know all that. Yeah, he knew it. But even he recognized that sometimes God has to get us to a place in our life that it's not enough to just know where we absolutely surrender and say, you know what, Lord, I need you. I'm not enough on my own. When you come to realize that no one is good, then it creates a dependency upon the one who is good. 
that realizes that if I'm going to spend my life forever with Jesus, then I can only do it through God alone. And so therefore, I must cultivate a relationship that happens by surrendering my life to Jesus. So knowing and surrendering. The second thing that Jesus said to him, or really the young man said, was that he said, Teacher, I have kept all of these since my youth. His first issue was knowing and surrendering. His second issue was living good and loving Jesus. Living good and loving Jesus. He told Jesus clearly, I have kept all of these since my youth. I've, been a, I've, I've lived a good life. I've, I haven't done anybody wrong. I haven't killed anybody. I haven't lied. I haven't bore false witness. I've honored my father and mother. Jesus, I'm right here. I've done it all. I've lived a good life. And all the conversations I've had with people over the years, and that is the one thing I've heard over and over. I've, I've lived a good life. I've done good things in my life. And I don't, doubt, I don't doubt that for a moment. I don't discredit that for a moment. There are lots of great people in the world. There are great people who have done wonderful things for the world. But goodness alone doesn't save anybody. Jesus does. And this was the issue here with this man, is that you can do all things good. You can do everything right in your life. But without Jesus, you can still miss out. You can still miss out on the salvation and forgiveness that Jesus offers. And this was his issue, was he had got the part of living good down. That was easy for him, apparently, but he hadn't got the part about loving Jesus down because he loved his possessions more than Jesus. Isn't it wonderful how Jesus can come sometimes just come right along to us and have a conversation with us that we so need? that confronts us in our understanding and what we've been taught. And oh, how our church needs that today, the American church especially, that just going to church does not save anybody. Just doing good things in church does not save anybody. That's just being a part of an organization. That's just doing good deeds. But knowing Jesus and surrendering your life to him and laying aside whatever thing it is and loving Jesus more than anything... That's what saves a person. Jesus saves us through his forgiveness that he offers. So the Bible says that Jesus, looking at him, loved him, loved him. May we never forget in all of our conversations about how good or bad we are and all that that comes up in our minds and thought, there is no one good. May we never forget that Jesus loves us. May we never forget that forgiveness is not automatic. But it comes through the loving kindness of Jesus. It comes through Jesus being willing to love us and go to a cross and lay down his life for us and bear all the sin, all of the bad things that you and I have done. He bore it on the cross for you and I because no one is good. So he, the one who was good, went on a cross and bore it for you and I. And so therefore, it may be known to us as one writer has said, no one deserves forgiveness. If we deserved it, we wouldn't need it. On the case of Jesus here, that Jesus, uh, on the cross, Jesus experienced the hell that we deserved that so that for eternity we can experience the heaven we don't deserve. And isn't that good news for you and I today? We don't deserve it. We, if we deserved it, it we, wouldn't, we wouldn't need it. But because Jesus loved us, he freely offers it to us. Because Jesus loves you, he freely gives it to you. He's not asking you to jump through a hoop. 
He's not asking you to do this thing and then that thing and that thing and then come to him. He's freely offering it to you like we talked last week. It's not something you earn. It's what you receive. And Jesus is freely offering it you today. Living good isn't going to save anybody. Jesus has called us to love him with all of our heart. So the Bible says that he left in distraught. He left grieved because he had many possessions. So his problem was knowing and surrendering, living good and loving Jesus. And finally, his other problem was destroying idols and declaring Jesus. Destroying idols and declaring Jesus. This was the issue here. This was really what it came down to. The Bible teaches us that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, the Bible teaches us in Romans 10, 9 that, and then 1 John 1, 9, that if, we can, if, if God, God is faithful to forgive us, if we confess our sins, God is faithful to forgive us of all of our unrighteousness. And it requires us to say more than the thing that is consuming my life. Instead of living for an idol, like the people of Israel were doing. They were living for a golden calf. They were living for this thing and then that thing. What the problem was here for this man was that he could not let go of the thing that he was living for. Instead of start living and declaring Jesus as the one that he was going to live for. So the disciples came to him and they began to ask him a question. He, Jesus told them, Oh, how difficult it is for a wealthy person to enter into the kingdom of God. It's like a camel trying to go through an eye of a needle. And so they ask the question, then who can be saved? Then who can be saved? That's a good question. That was a good question. We ought to applaud the disciples for asking that question. That was a good question. Who can be saved? And so Jesus responds. He looked at them and he says, oh, for humans, it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. Isn't that wonderful to know here today that you can be in the most difficult place that keeps you from coming to Jesus? And it was almost as if Jesus was saying about this young man, it's not over for him yet. It seems impossible. It seems difficult. He seems to be stuck on his possessions. But for humans, it is impossible. But for God, all things are possible. Why? Because only God can save us. Only God can offer us the forgiveness and help us inherit eternal life. Only God can do that for you and I. And it starts by saying, Jesus, I love you. I surrender my life. I give all to you. I put the thing away from me, the idol that I'm trying to live for. And Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. It's not enough to say, Jesus, you are my Savior. The Bible says that we have to confess with our mouth that he is Lord, meaning that he is the king. Just like there was a new king declared over Great Britain. You and I, when we come to Jesus, we have to confess with our mouth. No, Jesus is the king of my life. Possessions is not the king anymore. Substances, they're not the king anymore. Relationships, they're not the king over my life anymore. Living for my job, that's not the king over my life anymore. The one who is king over my life is Jesus. And you know what's amazing to me is I've been watching all of this happening with the queens, uh, the, his, the funeral and all the things that are happening there with the king is that when the king wants something, when he does something, people begin to fall in alignment with what he's doing. There's order, there's people serving, there's a, a sense of loyalty. And this is what Jesus is calling 
warning of you and I is to put away our loyalty to other things, to other possessions, and give it completely and solely to King Jesus, surrendering it all. And how difficult it is for so many of people in the world who have thought, I have lived a good life, but they miss out because they wouldn't surrender their life to Jesus. So Jesus tells them, he says, go sell your possessions, sell your money to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. Isn't it interesting to me and you and I that oftentimes we get caught up on our things and this earth and building bank accounts and retirements and all that, all the things that we have here. But the one thing that Jesus was most interested with with this young man was go sell your possessions. Give all that you have and you will have treasure in heaven. And you know, if Jesus says that you will have treasure in heaven and he's come from heaven and he's seen it all and he knows what it's like, then it must be good and it must be wonderful and great. And so following and living our lives for Jesus, it shows us this. It is not for nothing. It's not worthless. It's not for nothingness. It's for a purpose. There is a goal in mind. And it is being and living with Jesus forevermore. And so I want to leave you with this as the musicians come. In Mark 10 and 28, Peter began to say to him, look. I like how Peter can be a little frank sometimes. Look, Jesus, we've left everything and followed you. And isn't that the truth? And oh, I know some great believers in the Lord. I know some great missionaries and pastors and people who have followed the Lord and they've left everything and followed Jesus. And can I tell you something just as a, as a point of observation? I think that is one of the most beautiful things in the world. When somebody just says, Lord, I don't have anything give it all up and I'm going to live for you. Jesus honors that. And so Jesus said to him, look, we've left it all and we followed you. That's how you and I have been called to live. Leave everything behind. Leave it. Leave all the past. Leave all this unrighteousness, all of the trying to live good and earn and all that old mentality. Leave that behind and follow Jesus. And so Jesus gave them a wonderful promise and I want to tell you today, may it be of encouragement to you. Truly, I tell you, there is no one who has left their house, who has left their brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news who will not receive. He doesn't say uh, onefold, fivefold, tenfold. He says, who will not receive a hundredfold. Watch where he tells them. Now in this age. Oh, did you catch that? And in the age to come. Now in this age, houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children and fields with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. Can I just say to you today that following Jesus, oh, my friend, today you've struggled with surrendering your life to the Lord. You've struggled with whether I should give him everything and just go and follow him. You've struggled with, should I just really trust him and have faith and follow him and believe and surrender? Can I tell you today, Jesus is worth it. 
Oh, he's worth it. Not for a moment have I ever looked back. Not for one, and I don't know any really. Have I ever looked back and said, boy, what a mistake I made in following Jesus. No, never once. Following Jesus is worth it. It's better than living that old life bound up by sin, bound up by something that has its hold over my life. Jesus is worth it. And Jesus promises you today that when you are willing to leave everything and follow him, he promises a reward for you and I for following him. And he knows the trouble and he knows how hard it is and he knows how difficult it is. He even said to them earlier, he said, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus is fully aware of the hardship that it takes of following him. So therefore he promises a reward a hundredfold and you can count on that. You can take it to the bank. You can live your life to the very last day and say, but thank God there is a reward waiting for me. There is a place for me so that I must inherit eternal life. Jesus has promised that for you and I. Oh, it's so worth it. Following Jesus is worth it. Don't let the enemy tell you otherwise. Oh, how the enemy will come alongside of you and tell you when you decide and you're on the fence about following Jesus and say, oh, you're going to lose some friends. Your family's going to be upset with you. Boy, they're really going to pick on you at your job. They're going to belittle you. You're going to lose money. You're going to do this. All the things. Listen, the enemy, the only language he knows is lies. But Jesus, he knows life. And when he speaks and he says, even now in the age, this age and in the age to come and promises a hundredfold, isn't it wonderful to know this is just a moment, but that is forever. And I would rather live a hundredfold forever than to miss out for just a moment, even here and now. Will you stand with me this morning? Every eye closed today, every eye closed. just felt so burdened this morning. I know there's some wonderful, good people who are all around us here today listening online. But can I just encourage you, my friend, all surrender your life to Jesus. There's nothing like giving your life to Jesus. The thing about giving your life to Jesus is you let go of the thing that has you've been giving your life to and you can trust your life to the one who really knows it all knows the days ahead of you knows your future and oh how he's beckoning you today don't try to make it to eternity based on good deeds alone no come through Jesus Jesus wants a relationship with you because he loves you because he knows you because he created you because he wove you together and knew the very fabric of your being Surrender, surrender to him. I'm yours, Lord. I'm giving it to you today. Can you make that your prayer this morning? Lord, I don't want to just know about you. There's a lot of people in the world, they know about Jesus, but they don't know him. May you know him today. As Paul said, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. May you know him today. May you not just live good, but may you love Jesus more than anything. More than anything, love him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. May today you destroy idols and declare Jesus as Lord. So Lord, today we come to you this morning. We need you this morning.
Lord, we just go ahead and admit and confess this morning as you told us. No one is good. Not one person in this building is good. No one is good. And Lord, we know that today. Not one person. But you, Lord, Father God, you are good. You are good today. And Jesus, we want you more than anything. And so, Lord, today, whatever it is that's keeping us from living for you and loving you with all of our heart and inheriting eternal life today jesus may you call it out to us for the young man there it was possessions it was riches it was wealth maybe for others of us it's some addiction it's some other relationship it's some other sin or habitual sin that's caught us up but lord today may you destroy it and may we love you with all of our heart today jesus come to you this morning. Jesus, we confess our sins to you today. We confess our sins, Jesus. Oh, Lord, I'm a sinner. I've messed up. I've made a mistake, Lord. There's not one that's righteous. No, not even one. But he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our unrighteousness. So, Lord, today I'm going to take your word this morning as you give it. I'm not going to doubt what you say and wonder, can God really forgive me of all the terrible things I've done? No, Lord, your word says he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of it today. So, Lord, even now in this confession of forgiveness, Lord, we believe and receive today that we are forgiven. That when the enemy comes back and says, oh, but don't you know that thing you did? God can't really help you. Lord, we say to you today, may you remind us of that today, this moment, even now, that oh, that if you have forgiven us, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and all things have become new. So Lord, make us new this morning in you, Jesus. I don't want the old life anymore. I want the life that you give today, Lord. Eternal life today. So Lord, send life this morning. Restore my soul, Jesus. Forgive us today, Lord. Forgive us, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, today. We thank you, Jesus. Oh, my friend, today just hear the Lord today. He loves you. Oh, He loves you. You've been so stuck in a rut on your sin. And God just says to you today, don't you worry about that thing. I can forgive that. Oh, how He loves you today. How He is willing to lift you up and take you away from there and set you free in Him. Come to Him this morning. Call on His name. And oh, how He promises to forgive. Call on Him. Just ask Him, Jesus, forgive me. And oh, at the moment you call His name, He is there in that moment immediately. So Jesus, we come today. We need you, Jesus. This morning you need prayer. Please come today. Come to the front. We want to pray with you today. We, we want to cover you, believe with you, agree with you. Jesus, we come. We need you today. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Lord. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Lord. Whatever you're dealing with, you need prayer today. Come, call, come this morning. Come, we want to pray with you. Lord, we thank you today. Oh, how we need you, Jesus. the choir sings. Would you call on the Lord this morning? 